0: You'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with AMAX. This week on Catch and Shoot 2.0, we head into the back end of the NBA Conference Finals. Which teams will emerge from those contests? Also, some interesting off-the-court news with new coaching hires and that Scottie Pippen interview. We talk about all that and more with someone who keeps his eyes and ears on the league 24-7. But first, Darlene, get us started.
1: Catch and Shoot 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media. Catch and Shoot 2.0 goes well with both red and white and is perfect with the workout of your choice. Our hosts are Aaron Berlin, a former Kansas Jayhawk who believes the Orlando Magic will win the championship. Eventually. (laughs) His partner is Otto Strong, a man who has covered the NBA since before Dennis Rodman got his first tattoo fellas. Welcome to
2: Catch and Shoot 2.0. I am not Aaron Berlin. I am Bruce Bernstein filling in for Aaron Berlin along with my partner and Aaron's usual partner, Otto Strong. Uh, Otto, what's going on, brother?
0: Uh, yeah, just ready for, ready for more conference finals and I'm kind of ready to, I'm, I'm ready for the NBA finals, if you, if you know what I mean. I'm ready to just kind of launch myself forward into that. I know we got games to play, but I'm, I'm you know, I, I don't know if that's wrong or not. Is that wrong? It's not wrong at all, and in
2: fact, our guest that's coming up in a few minutes, uh, Rob Peterson from The Athletic, uh, is in the same boat as you. He is a, uh, a um, an objective journalist who likes the Milwaukee Bucks. Let's put it that way. And he's very <laughs> excited about his team. So uh, yes, you you and uh, Rob will have much to discuss uh, along with myself. But anyway, uh, we have a game. This show is going to be dropping after game uh, five of the Clippers' sons, so um Any thoughts that you've had on this whole series at this point, Otto, uh, with with Phoenix on the verge of advancing to the finals, should they win game five?
0: I've been extremely impressed with the way the Clippers have gotten after, you know, gotten after the ball. I mean, they they are certainly not like, you know, the old Clippers (laughs) regime. I mean, I'm thinking like Patrick Beverly, just – I mean, Paul George has, has has stepped up. I mean, obviously they have not had Kawhi, but I've been really impressed with what they've been able to do. That said, this Sphinx Suns team is just loaded. I mean, you know, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton, Chris Paul. I mean, and, and, then, and then, you know, some emerging guys who are probably not even emerging, but, you know, for, for, for us folks who are not on the West Coast, uh, we're, we're, we're being treated to some really good basketball. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking it's just going to be, Suns are probably going to run away with, with it tonight, you know, being at home. I don't think uh,
2: it's possible for the Clippers to overcome the absence of Kawhi Leonard. Because if you think about it, some of these games have been pretty close and Kawhi Leonard is a, I mean, a champion. He's a difference maker and not having him there puts so much additional burden on Paul George. And I think he's handled it very well for the most part. I mean, I think he's acquitted himself. Well, sure. Everyone remembers the missed free throws and you know, some of that might be fatigue, whatever, but uh the the Clippers have performed heroically, but, but I think they're, they're, they're on fumes at this point And, uh, they're, they're about to be on the wrong end of the old gentleman's sweep. <laughs> uh, but how about over in the East? I know Rob is going to get into some uh, depth on Milwaukee in a little bit, but, uh, let's talk a little bit about the Hawks, Bucks series, Auto uh, Trey young, one of the breakout guys in the playoffs this year, um, had a tough night on Sunday night through no fault of his own, uh, what are your thoughts on what you've seen in that series?
0: Uh, I think Trey and, and um, Atlanta has definitely you know, popped Milwaukee in the mouth and, and definitely got their, got their attention. Uh, it's unfortunate that, that I mean, the, I, that's one of the flukier sprained ankles I've ever seen. You know, a guy takes a step back and plants his foot on, a, on an official's foot who's stationary. Um, you know, it just, it's just, just one of those things. I mean, I think, you know, if that happens 10 times, I think in my eight of those cases, it's probably just to shake it off kind of thing. And it just, it's just seems seems strange. But having said all that, um, you know, Milwaukee was, they were definitely on the ropes against Brooklyn, but it, it looks like they, you know, they, 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 they got kicked in game one. Uh, they came back bigly in game two. And it just seems like Chris Middles- Middleton has found a stroke, uh, even guys who aren't shooting well are contributing big time drew holiday. Uh, and then Giannis is just, you know, uh, another, Oh, ho hum. Oh yeah. 30, 30 and, and 11, 30 and 10. I mean, whatever. I mean, just, I, I mean, I, I know it's only only two one, but it just feels like that that it just they have a collision course with the finals this time. There's, there's definitely
2: a feeling of inevitability here that now that Milwaukee is kind of, is kind of nudged ahead, uh, Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not saying it's going to be a a five game series. Uh, It could very well be a six game series, but uh, I give Milwaukee a lot of credit. I mean, you know, one guy that I thought played really well on Sunday night, didn't get a whole lot of publicity out of it was Pat Connaughton. Pat Mm -hmm. Connaughton played like 32 minutes. He had had maybe five points, eight rebounds, but he was a plus 25, which was by far the best plus minus of any player on the floor uh, for Milwaukee. So when a, when a guy like Pat Connaughton can come up big, that kind of compensates for an off night by Drew Holiday. You know, Batman and Robin, you know, Giannis and Chris, Chris and Giannis, however you want to label them, uh, definitely led the way. Uh, but, it, but it feels like, uh, particularly if, if Trey Young's
0: physically compromised, I don't see how, uh, how the Hawks overcome that on yeah, no, I mean, like if any any shot they have, he's going to have to play and play well. Uh, and, and, you know, even if he's going to be a decoy and be just a distributor, he still has to be out there and and, and get those minutes and get up and down, um, you know, and that that's just going to have to happen. And they absolutely cannot uh, take a 3-1 deficit back to Milwaukee. I mean, that's just, I mean, <laughs> you know, that was the old, you know, one, one suit, you know, like, you know, Pat Riley with the, you know, you know, I mean, I know it's not a 2-3-2 two, two scenario, but, but, you know, the old, like, you know, we're, we're only going to play, we're only, we know we're only playing one game, but I mean, yeah, if they go down 3-1 going back to Milwaukee, I mean, I think the Deer District will be, will be you know, uh, on full charge <laughs> I think you're, I think you were channeling Pat Riley a little bit there. That That's what it sounded like. Yeah, definitely. No, it definitely was. Definitely was. Um, but, uh, but like, I mean, the playoffs have been exciting to this point. Uh, you know, the, the, the whole no LeBron, no Steph and no KD in the conference finals or later. Uh, I think we've been treated to some pretty, to some pretty exciting stuff and we've got, you know, and there are other guys who are on the rise who clearly didn't, you know, didn't make it. Lucas, you, you you imagined figures to be part of this in the future. Uh, you, you know that, that KD and Kyrie and, and Harden are going to be back. Uh, Boston's going to be back. The Knicks are going to be back. So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of, you know, Denver. It's just a, a ton of good stuff going on. Um, but, I'm, but I'm ready for, for some NBA Finals.
2: The Bucs took a 2-1 series lead over Atlanta on Sunday night. And to talk about that and all the other news going around in the association, we're happy to have friend of the show and personal friend and former colleague of Otto and myself, Rob Peterson, the senior NBA editor with The Athletic, who joins us now. Rob, it is a pleasure to have you on Catch and Shoot 2.0. But the first question, Rob, what's the deal with those blue unis with the Bucs? Come on.
1: Well, if you've been to Milwaukee... And, you know, uh, it is the meeting of three rivers, according to uh, uh, Alice Cooper, it it represents the lake. So lake obviously plays a big part in the culture of Milwaukee, and it's an important meeting place. And so I think they wanted to incorporate uh, some essence of Lake Michigan into the uniform. So when you have those black uniforms and they have the little um, little, uh, rectangles down the side, there's a blue one in there to represent the lake. So... Nike went big with the lake theme, and that's what that represents, pretty much.
0: And so, I guess next season we could look forward to the uh, to Nike giving us uh, jerseys to go along with the Hudson River colors. <laughs> yeah, yes, uh, yeah. Well, whatever color
1: that is, yes. I don't know. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't have to. We don't have to go there. <laughs> exactly. We do not so, have to go there. But so, I, I actually, I don't mind them. They're, I think, I, I think they're different. People are like, "Well, it's blue about a buck," but nothing. It's about the city. Yeah, hey, no, totally, totally get it.
0: And you got colorways, you got you know, alternate jerseys, totally get it. Exactly. So, so um, how are you now as, as a Bucks fan? How are you feeling?
1: Cautiously optimistic. Um, I, last year uh, during the pandemic, we had special weeks at the athletic where we, we called them blitzes and then we would do a single topic throughout the whole week. And um, one week we did what ifs or take backs. And I wrote the intro to, to that, and it was What Ifs, um, and it's centered on Wisconsin sports. And I know that, you know, you had the Curse of the Billy Goat with the, with the Cubs, mm-hmm. and you had Bay Ruth's Curse with the Red Sox. We didn't have any cute names for the stuff that has befallen Wisconsin fans since um, pretty much 1974, with the few exceptions here and there, a couple of Bowl wins, I'm not complaining. Uh, and, and the Marquette and the Warriors now, Golden Eagles winning in 77, mm-hmm. but it's just like, it, it, I said it was Sisyphean. It's like, you push that as a fan, you push that boulder up the hill and then you get almost get to the top and then it just rolls back right, right over you down the hill. And as a Wisconsin sports fan, that has been my default. It's like, I'm waiting for that stone to crush me. And, um, and and you know it it, it especially with the the two zero lead against the Raptors in the twenty nineteen Eastern Conference Finals they go they they push it to overtime they fall short and then they lose the next three in a row it's just like so close and they haven't been there in forty seven years and um, yes I was alive for that but I don't remember much of it but uh, yeah it's just one of those things where you're you're just like they've be, they've come so close and just all of it. Since 2011, Wisconsin sports teams have had six MVPs, three for Rodgers, two for Giannis, and one for Yellich. Not only do they not have a championship, they haven't made the final round in any of those sports. So I'm cautiously optimistic with Trey's injury. Um, that is obviously advantage Bucks. Trey is so central to what the Hawks do, um, Whether and, and not just a shooting, it's his. Uh, distributing as well that's it's it's kind of overlooked it's like yeah he does the shimmy after he makes shots and he's fun to watch and he draws the fouls but it's like it's what he creates for his teammates that makes the hawks so good and if he's not at full speed or 100 it's going to be tough for them to uh it's going to be tough for them to beat an essentially fully healthy without dante di vincenzo bucks team are you uh, having shams
2: investigate whether the Milwaukee Bucks team have voted a full playoff share for
1: uh, referee Sean Wright? Oh yeah, uh, you know, and uh, I don't think that's happening. But yeah, that was I, I tweeted last night as I was watching the game. I'm like, that's the freakiest of freaky injuries. And I know Atlanta um, has its share of collapses too. You know, you're talking about the Super Bowl against the Patriots. They've just had some wacky things happen to them, and it's like that was just. I I can't even explain how unfortunate that is because, I mean, he's just, he's not doing anything wrong. Trey Young wasn't doing anything incorrect in stepping back. The ref was in the position he was supposed to be in on the sideline. It was just, it was just one of those things where, and you kind of hate, you you hate, you definitely hate to see it because, you know, he's, Trey has been so influential and instrumental in this, this playoffs, these playoffs that you kind of just want to see how, he continues to go. If he's not 100%, it's just, yeah, it was just one of those things where you're like, oh, my God, how, how does that happen?
0: Yeah, you talk about star-crossed. I mean, you think about mm-hmm. the, all those bra- – I'm a Yankees fan. You think about all those Braves teams that they, they rolled through and looked like, okay, mm-hmm. this is going to be our year. And I think they took what one out of that entire hall, uh, Right. And, uh, and, and we don't even we're – not, we're not even going to let Bruce get any daylight with Dominique. And the Celtics. (laughs) All right, Bruce, that's an an invite, Bruce. Go ahead. Go for it. (laughs) Gloat. (laughs) I have
2: the utmost respect for all Celtics opponents, except for the Knicks. Yeah, I'm right there with you. Maybe a little of the Nets at this point, too, but, you know, whatever. Uh, I'm not bitter. Dan Kramer thinks I'm bitter. I'm not bitter. Uh,
1: Definitely not. Well, one of uh, just real quick, Otto, sorry to interrupt, but one of the things when you ask me how I'm feeling, it's like, I, sometimes I see parallels in, in certain series. And this series to me feels like the first uh, – uh, right now it feels like that Boston series in uh, 2019 where the Celtics won the first one and then the Bucks just kind of rolled. I'm not saying it's going to happen that way, but it has that same kind of, um, I guess, atmosphere in terms of, like, how strong the Bucks are. Um, I wouldn't equate uh, Trey to Kyrie. Kyrie just had a bad series had an awful series uh, but you can in, in the sense that they're point guards Kyrie wasn't playing up to his potential Trey's not healthy so I mean that's how I kind of see it right now as we as we see the two to one lead that the Bucks had have uh, over Atlanta so little parallels.
0: Yeah. No, look, I definitely uh, feel for, feel for Trey. And and while I'm happy for you and I'm I'm happy for the Bucks to, you know, to kind of get theirs, it wouldn't, I mean, you just felt like like last night's game prior to that was going to be one of those potentially epic games yep. coming down the stretch and we, you know, the 15 point uh, deficit and then the huge comeback and Chris Middleton just, just going off. And I know that I'm kind of mixing up the timeline there because some of that happened after, uh, after Trey's injury, but um, I wanted to talk about Chris a little bit, like, I, I mean, there was, there's some jokes about, you know, witness protection program, what have you. And he just, he showed up mm-hmm. bigly, <laughs> like, and I, and like, he's capable of that. I was just wondering, uh, where, where you from a, from a basketball standpoint, not so much from a fan standpoint, from a basketball standpoint,
1: what, what do what you think was going on with him? I think he mentioned something. So, um, working for the athletic, uh, real quick, I cover, I, I, I help, Uh, five writers in four different cities. I have my Philly guys, Derek Bodner and Rich Hoffman in Portland. I have Jason Quick in Utah. I work with Tony Jones. And in Milwaukee, I work with Eric Name. And one of the things that Eric um, wrote so well about this week was that Chris was, it felt like he was concentrating on some uh, Team USA stuff because he was just named today on Monday uh, to the official Team USA roster. So I think his headspace was different. One of the things I noticed in, in the first two games, he was short on a lot of shots. I don't know if he changed anything down the stretch in game three, but he was close. I mean, he would hit the front of the rim, it would slide over, hit the back of the rim, and, and bound out. It wasn't like he was clanging shots. It wasn't like he was, you know, wild or, or, or anything like that. He was just missing. And so I think in the last quarter, he just found his range, whether it was his legs. Or he made an adjustment on his release, or whatever it was, um, he was just phenomenal. Scoring 20 compared to to Atlanta 17, that is something that you look for in a star in the postseason, where they can just kind of dig deep and say, you know what, this is my time. And and those final eight minutes, uh, yeah, eight seven to eight minutes were his time, and he showed everybody what he did. He scored on all three levels. He scored from the corner, you know in somebody's grill. He can uh go in the lane, he can pull up on that that elbow and, and and back you down. Um yeah, he's he has the full array. Now, I think the thing that Bucks fans want to see is consistency, but that's not I mean, shooters sometimes have those games. He has been more than 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 more often than not stellar. And um he's a great weapon to have to go with Giannis who just kind of wrecks everything in his path. Mm-hmm.
2: You know, when he gets it going, and I've seen him have some really good games before. I mean, this guy is a all-star, what, mm-hmm. two-time all-star?
1: Two-time right? all-star, yep. Olympian now.
2: Yeah, you know. and I mean, this guy started out in the G League, right? So yep. everything yep. that he has gotten, he
1: you know he's had to work, he, work, work. He wasn't even in the G League. He was in the D League, D-League. Mm. <laughs> it wasn't even the G League at the time. So <laughs> was, that's how far back, you know, that's how... You know, it, it was it was one of the originals. And he was there, I think, for – I can't remember how many games stint, but it wasn't that long. And then he was in a throw-in – he was that throw-in trade with – he was a throw-in with um, Brandon Knight uh, coming to Milwaukee. Eight years ago, the same day, they drafted Giannis. So, which was yesterday, by the way. The eighth anniversary of that was yesterday. So, it's uh, – and, and and Eric, Eric Name uh, wrote a great piece today about how those guys have kind of grown up together. They hated each other. They Giannis and Chris really? – Would oh they would uh in the story today he was talking about how they would like hand-to-hand combat in in practice because Giannis wanted to start, but Chris was starting and they were kind of similar positions at the time. And it's like they would just claw and scratch and they would they would go home with marks on their arms. Uh (laughs) it was, yeah, it was crazy. But over the years, obviously they've (laughs) they've learned to play together, um, love each other as teammates. You know, and, and I think Giannis said something last night to the tune of like, when, when Chris retires, it'll be the saddest day of his career. So they've obviously wow. become very close and they are the engine, uh, two parts of that engine that drive the bucks.
2: You know, uh, Chris really did flip the script totally on Sunday because, you know, Giannis has always been Batman and Chris has always been Robin. Well, last night, Chris mm-hmm. turned into Batman Giannis was a vil- a very willing Robin, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and that really did kind of show. I mean, some superstars, you know, we there was a big story today with Scottie Pippen on Dan Patrick's show, and we may get to that in a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys, you know, they just they just can't handle having their authority threatened or whatever. Giannis, maybe because he came out of the, you know, the European background where everything's more team oriented and perhaps, you know, less so here, he he accepted it well. But but I've never seen Giannis get the kind of buckets that, that, that Chris was getting. And it was great how he sort of said, you do your thing, brother. Mm-hmm. Here. I'll be playing defense. If you need me,
1: I'm here. But do your thing. Well, it's, it's kind of, you look at it, both those guys kind of came from nothing in, the, in a basketball sense. Where, you know, Giannis was in a second level Greek league, drafted. Chris was in the D-League, Texas A&M. You know, so these guys, I think, I wouldn't say appreciate it more, but I think they recognize when something special is happening because mm-hmm. in the past, you know, they weren't obviously recruited heavily and Giannis was an unknown when he was drafted uh, in 2013. Um, so I think, I think with these guys, it's just the, 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 the growth from that time eight years ago to now where they can appreciate and they realize that they need each other. I mean, cause Giannis, Giannis, in the last eight games, I think has scored fewer than 30 points once. And that was in game two. And he didn't play. I don't think he played the fourth quarter. He had 29 points. So, yes, I, I agree with you in the sense that last night the, the roles flipped where, where Chris became Batman and, and Giannis became Robin. But Giannis still had 33 and 11 last night. It's like he's putting up numbers where we're like 33 and 11. Yeah, Robin. You know, it's, <laughs> it's yeah, like Another, another something kinda, for him. Yeah, that's some kind of special. I mean, he had 40 in game seven against the Nets. It's like it, it, those are things that if he were on the Nets and he did that in a game seven, they'd be building a statue to him outside of Barclays. Same with same with Middleton. He has a game very similar to Bernard King. You know, can go to the can go to the rack, can can do the can do the pull-up jumpers, can score at the elbow. You know, Bernard's the Hall of Famer. I'm not saying that Chris is but he has a very similar game and he puts up similar numbers. Now, obviously uh, Bernard was a little more explosive at times, but still it's like, if Chris were playing in New York or for the Lakers, it's like, um, he'd be noticed. I think one, there was a TV show today. It's like, don't sleep on Chris, Chris Middleton. I'm like, well, every <laughs> years people have, and now, and, and on the biggest stage, people are saying what he can do.
0: And I got to say, uh, I didn't want to jump in at that point, but uh yeah, Giannis in in a Robin outfit. That just that's just that's <laughs> creepy on a lot of levels.
1: That's just creepy. <laughs> well, well, I think part of it's green, so it'd go with the color scheme. Oh, that's true. That's that's there. true.
0: That's true. <laughs> I feel like it'd be one of those where it's like you know, um you know, an adult wearing like a uh, kids pajamas. It it just feels like that would be that. But you yeah. Know, so so in all seriousness, we we heard you know there was a lot said about Giannis and you know whether it's the too nice thing or. Does he have that killer gene and all of that stuff? And then he has the game seven. And then, as you said, he has got his thirty-point games. Is is that something that you feel is going to just dog him for all of his days? Just because he's not, um, you know, he's he's just he's he's just not that way. I mean, you know, is, you know, do you, or do you have any any insights I, into into that?
1: I think I think with Giannis, he I think he is I think he does have not a mean streak, but he's extremely competitive. He's ultra competitive. You don't come from where he came from uh in Greece. And you know, the backstory a lot of people know it's like he was selling DVDs and trinkets on the street and he was playing in you look at some of the, the recruit not the recruiting video, but you look at some of the highlight video from before he was drafted. And it looks like he was playing in some of the middle school gyms around here in Connecticut where where I live. It's just like he he can't be what he is without in the internal drive, without the internal nastiness that fuels him to become a two-time MVP, to score uh, 30 points per game in eight straight games in the playoffs. Um, he he might not have like, like a Jordan glare or a LeBron, a LeBron finishing kind of um, ability mm-hmm. in terms of like you know where the ball is going to go. So if you like, we're deferring to Chris now, what does that mean about Giannis? Um, I think what that means is that he's strong enough to recognize that other people fill in those spots where he can't do something. And you're not going to want Giannis to pull up from, from the elbow. I mean, he can, but would you want him to do so? Um, As a matter of fact, Uh, he had a game winning shot from the elbow against Phoenix in the first game. Those guys, those teams played this year and he missed it. I mean, he was open, but he missed it and he took it. But would they do that again? Would that go to Chris? Would that go to somebody else who's open, who could shoot? So, um, he's man, I wouldn't want to get in his way. (laughs) It's just like, I I know it's kind of quiet. And he doesn't kind of have that. uh, I don't know. Um, Certain kind, like of bravado, it, certain kind of bravado. Certain kind of Yeah, yeah. You know. But I mean, he ha- I think he has it. It's like mm-hmm. one of those things where, um, it, it just it kind of exudes through the team. I think some of the frustration. Yeah, you know, I hear I hear an air airball a three or, or or a free throw uh, every once in a while, and people are like you know, is he really? But yeah, he is. He he has elevated this team to its best three year stretch since Nelly in the in in the eighties, and it's just you know. Um, he is the guy. Uh you take him off this team and they could win games but they wouldn't be what they are. Let's talk a little bit about uh coach
2: Mike Budenholzer. He's taken some criticism for the mm-hmm. way things have gone at times. Uh in fact, one thing that puzzles me a little bit in and watching how they play. I was, you know, last night I was thinking Giannis has the ball in his hands, bringing it up court a whole lot for a guy mm-hmm. whose, whose game is really to get into the paint and have somebody get him the ball. And, you know, I don't, I'll definitely live with some questionable three-point shots from him. He's earned the right to take those shots. I mean, you know, he's supposed to have fun at the game, too. And with everything else he brings, I'll, I'll live with those if I'm a Bucs fan. But the, it, there's a perception, I think Charles Barkley said it a couple of weeks ago, that he said, I think Milwaukee's going to win the championship. But they are not a smart team. And that's obviously a reflection on Coach Bud. So what's the vibe in Milwaukee about him? I mean, there was rumors that if they had not reached the conference finals, he might have lost his job. Mm -hmm. Is he still on the hot seat or is he now kind of secure in in his position moving forward? And does the team respect him and will they listen to him? Are They're not tuning him out, are they?
1: Uh, No, I think, I mean, you blow a 2-1 lead to an injured Atlanta Hawks team, you might be in trouble uh but if you make the finals um i think after games and 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 mainly i have to infuse myself with milwaukee through bucks twitter because i'm out here on the east coast but uh uh the the thing that i think people say oh no you're stuck you're stuck with bud you know you beat the you beat the nets you're stuck with him and i'm like if he, they win the finals he could you know he can eat for free in milwaukee for the rest <laughs> of his life um the 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 thing about coach bud was you know you you can actually see the progression in the playoffs with coach um, and, and what the Bucks have done. They, they steamrolled everybody in 19 until they got to the Raptors. And then you had long rangy defenders, quai Pascal Siakam, um, Marcus all, I think was on that team. And um, you know, they could, they could build that wall and stop um, stop Giannis. So Bruce, when you talk about Giannis, bring the ball off the court. One of the things is, is that if the defense isn't set, he just takes it to the racket and he uses his go-go gadget arms and lays the ball. in. I mean, you saw the finger rolling game two. You saw the dunk on the break last night where it's like his arm extended like an extra foot.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, yeah. You know, you get that in transition. You also get him seeing over the defense. He can see over everybody. Um, but, you know, I think one of the things that they've been doing this year is like, you know, they've had Drew bring the ball up. They've had Chris bring the ball up. They've had, to bring the ball up every once in a while, Dante, when he was healthy. Um, so you have uh, numerous people bring the ball start to to start the offense. They've added a player in the dunker spots because in, in the past, they would surround him with four shooters and they separate You could just build the wall, but now they've got somebody on the baseline that cuts back and forth that people have to account for because if you don't account for them, it's an easy layup or dunk. Um, and so they they've have made subtle adjustments. And then one of the reasons this year, they didn't, steamroll through the league is because they've been trying things all season long. Um, trying different defenses, trying different uh, action sets on offense. Um, one of the, going back to your Barkley statement, one of the things when he calls them a dumb basketball team, I can understand that sometimes like last night, even though it was tied at halftime, it was frustrating to watch if you're a fan because they try to three or four pocket passes that bounce off somebody's ankle. There's like very tight quarters where, Giannis would set the pick for, for Chris, Chris would try to bounce it between two people and it gets stolen. And you're like, that's not, I mean, that's the play, but that's not the play to make at that time. I think Brent they had like three or four of those. I'm like, what do you guys, you see the, you see the dudes right next to you. Right. Obviously I'm not a professional professional athlete. I just criticize them online, but um, you know, they, that, that's some of the going ISO, you know, they, sometimes they, 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 Oh, it's Drew's turn. It's, it's, it's Middleton's turn. It's, it's, it's Giannis's turn, you know, to go ISO. It's just sometimes they make not bright plays at that moment. I don't think overall they're, they're a dumb team. I don't think that's true, but there are moments where you're just like, what are they doing? What are they doing? So, oh, and, and even on defense, like, why didn't you double KD um, at the end of uh, regulation in game seven? And I'm like, as a bruised Wisconsin sports fan, I'm thinking because you double KD and then Joe Harris finally fits, hits his one three and the game is over. You know, <laughs> the pessimist and nihilist in me, I'm like, of course that would happen. But uh, but you, there people were right. It's like, why didn't you get the ball out of KD's hands when you know you know that's where the ball was gonna go? They lived with that decision. Luckily, KD wears a size 18 and you know, like came went to overtime. And I'm still uh as as somebody who has I grew up in Milwaukee. I was a box fan from the beginning. My dad's a basketball coach. Um, I worked for the team from 90 to 94, doing various roles in the video department, chart, even charting shots. And, um, you know, I've seen a lot of crazy losses. I've seen some good wins, but I've seen a lot of crazy losses and close calls. I, it was like two days later, I'm like, how they won. I can't believe that they are actually in the conference finals that they beat you know, yes, Brooklyn was injured, but man, that team was tough. And, and, and people talk about Katie's legacy, which is already secure. He's one of the, he's the greatest, one of the greatest scores of his generation. He's going to be a three-time Olympian. He's the leading score in Olympics history. He's got two titles, two finals MVPs, but it's like that series, he was just atomically great. It was unbelievable. And they gave everything they had to, the, uh, like I said, a relatively healthy Bucks team and that the Bucs won a game seven on the road for the first time in their history is to me was like, I, I still, I, I still have trouble processing that it happened um, because of all the stuff that's happened before. You know, I was in Philly in 2001 when they lost game seven in the Eastern Conference finals. My dad was working for the team at the time and I lived in New York and we drove down, my wife and I drove down and it was just like, you could see it the bucks led at the end of the first quarter but they were trailing at the end of the second, at the end at half they were trailing at the end of the third and by the middle of the fourth quarter you're just like not again and so for them to actually push through brooklyn and and now hold a 2-1 lead after losing the first game in the eastern conference finals it's kind of surreal rob uh, Tell the I, truth. I <laughs> The the
2: the 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 emotion and the passion that you have for the team is well, that's really the reason that we all invited you onto the show because oh, we you. knew that we knew that that was that that was coming, and it and yeah. it's really wonderful to see. I I don't know if Otto has any more Milwaukee. I have one more question uh, about a potential NBA Finals matchup between Milwaukee and Phoenix. It's looking like Phoenix with no Kawhi Leonard. Right. I don't see how Phoenix loses that series. How how will you be as fascinated as I will? to see DeAndre Ayton and Giannis kind of going at it. To me, Ayton has been really the under-the-radar, next to Trey Young. I'd say he's been one of the great breakout stars of this playoffs. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to watch those two guys go at it, and I hope that that's the matchup we'll see.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you got some of that in the regular, two regular season meetings, which were extremely close. Um, like I said, in the first game in Phoenix, it came down to a Giannis' jumper. Uh, I think the Bucks held a slight lead through most of the fourth quarter, and and Giannis just missed, and so it was a tight game, great game. Uh, Phoenix pulled that out, and then in Milwaukee, uh, I think it was tied. Uh, I've seen so many games this year, and I edited so many stories, but it was it was either tied or the 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 Suns were down by one, and PJ just kind of tapped Booker's arm on a three, and they called it. And people are like, you can't call that in this situation. You got to let the players decide. Well, they did decide. P.J. decided to hit his arm, and the ref saw it, and they called it. So whether you call that in that situation, I mean, that's that's a matter of taste, I believe. But still, it, both games came down to the wire. Um, if it ever happens, uh, I, I, the, I, I just see two teams that are pretty evenly matched. Now, when you mentioned Giannis and Aiton, I see that happening some, some of the time. I think one of the things the Bucs are going to try to do is space the floor by moving Brooke out. So they'll start Brooke, obviously, at the five. And then one of the one of the things that Brooke has, he hasn't done it as well this year as he's done in past years, recent past years, but he can he can extend the, he can stretch the defense by hitting threes. And if you move eight and away from the hoop to guard him, which I don't know if uh, the Suns will do. Um, they might just play a zone or whatever. But if you can get, get Aiden away from the hoop, then you've got lanes. Then you've got stuff to go. I mean, you know, Crowder can guard, but uh, I, I think they would have a tough time stopping the other bucks from getting in the lane, especially John, Giannis. So um, it'll be interesting to see the chess match between um, – if it happens, right. I'm not saying something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And if it happens, uh, I, I think you'll see – some interesting adjustments made by both Monty Williams and uh, Mike Budenholzer in that series in terms of like um, trying to space the floor. Obviously, Chris Paul will run the offense for, for, for Phoenix. Uh, Booker will get his, his points. So yeah, it could be, it could be the uh, Suns' revenge for losing then Lou Cinder in a coin flip in 1969. <laughs>
0: It will well, look. It will definitely be a, a great series if, if if it happens. If and it I, happens, you know, if it happens, of course. And you know, and and with you know, a, a series with no LeBron, with no Steph, uh, with no KD, I think that would be as bad as good as anybody could could hope to get. Uh, yeah. And I'm, not, and I'm and I'm believe me, and I'm also not saying that as like a well, we'll, we'll just take these two. I mean, those they're fun teams to watch. They're exciting mm-hmm. teams to watch, and I think it'd be a competitive series. So here's here's where I want to end on your screen for the, for those like you know I guess no one's really watching this but for 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 uh, I'll I'll but paint, though paint, for though I paint a picture um Rob's got the Mecca floor for anybody over a certain age they know exactly what that means do you, would you want to see the Mecca floor brought back for game 1 or, or, or for for one of the Milwaukee games
1: that would make my heart sing um it, a lot of a lot of people don't know that this was the, the so the floor it was done by Robert Indiana mm-hmm. and it was uh used first I think the first time in the 77 78 season before that they just had a blue floor with uh, they had a like a hardwood floor with blue lanes that was the floor at at the Milwaukee Arena and then they brought in Robert Indiana uh, a very popular pop artist and he came up with the floor which is multicolored it's yellow it's orange scattered it's red jump circle with the blue letters of Mecca around it and Uh, I would love to see them bring it back because you see all these teams using different floors now and again, Mm -hmm. and they did use a replica of it when they went back to the Mecca. And I think it was 2017 um, when they played the Celtics that, I mean the, the arena only holds 11,052 people. So it's not a viable, obviously it's not a viable NBA arena, but it's where it's kind of where I grew up. I watched my dad's teams play there in state championships, uh, state tournaments, my sister played on that floor oh, when she okay. went to Pius the 11th in Milwaukee. She, she was part of a team that, um, one, she, from her sophomore year to her senior year, she never lost. They, they had a 91 game winning streak and they won three state championships on that floor. So it was, it, that place is special to me because your format, you know, any place, you know, whether it's, you know, I, I watched, I watched the Washington football team in RFK, the RFK is special to me, you know, um, I grew up in Comiskey on the South side, Comiskey park with old Comiskey park was my place. This was my place, yeah. you know, um, as well as county stadium, but this was my place because my dad was a basketball coach and that basketball was played there. And that, you know, the private schools at the time, Wisconsin was separate between public and private schools. And that's where the private schools played. And so that's where they hold, they held their state championship. So it was always special. I remember the smells, the sounds, you look at a lot of photos from the 1970s and eighties in and in, in old NBA photos. They use a lot from the Mecca because what happened during the game was they would turn off the arena lights and they had these, these big vapor lights that ringed the, the court. And so basically you had a black background and the court was a stage and there was, you know, get off my lawn. But you know, there was no, there were no <laughs> hot dog guns. There were no cheerleaders. There were no, you know, none of that stuff. It was just, you went to the game, they turned down the lights, here's your show. And this, this was the court that they had and they had the lights. And it was just one of those things where you just, you just remember those things because you were there so much and you just enjoyed the atmosphere. Um, One last thing about the Mecca floor is like my dad uh, worked for the Bucks from 88 to um, 95, uh, 2005. And he was in the video department and he started as a volunteer. And, and this is, this is how I learned that NBA players were gigantic. Not that I didn't know already, but so Dell Harris is going through a, a play set and we're at, we're at the arena and Terry Cummings is standing under the basket and he's standing under the basket and he's got his arms raised above his head and he's holding on to the bottom of the net of the, the net and his feet are flat on the, he's six, nine and he's, and his feet are flat on the floor and he's holding on to the bottom of the net. And I'm like, Oh my God, I have to jump to get that. And here he is. He's, he's a, he's six, nine, but you know, he's a, he's kind of a small power forward. He's standing there grabbing the net. And so that's, that image is burned on our brain as to how big NBA players are. And I think when you talk about, you know, the athleticism of these guys and Giannis, and it's like, dude, it's seven feet tall and he's running faster than 99% of the humans on this planet. I mean, it's like, it, it's exceptional what these, these players do on a night in and night out basis to get ready to entertain us. And I, I just find it fascinating um, what they do. And if more people understood, excuse me, more people understood how big and tall and fast and strong these guys were, I think they'd have a greater appreciation of, of, of what they put themselves through each night. I mean, for Chris to hit that shot in front of Bogdanovich in the corner, that guy's six, eight, he had a hand up. I mean, that ball has to go like 12 feet in the air. It, it, it's, it's a level of skill that a lot of us just don't understand.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Uh, Rob, we appreciate you and appreciate your time and your insights on on all things Milwaukee basketball, and we'll make the Mecca floor happen somehow, some kind of way. <laughs> yes. If, if. But uh, once again, Rob Peterson of The Athletic, everybody. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Really, really appreciate you having me on.
1: That was dope.
2: Oh! Rob Peterson from The Athletic great, great friend of the show, great human being. I can tell you that personally, Otto, you know that as well. But you know, you guys walk sort of a fine line because you have the same job that Rob has, Otto. Rob is a Milwaukee fan. You are a fan of your teams, but you both are in a position of authority for publication. How do you sort of walk the line? I mean, I know Rob and you both have that challenge, right? To Between being a fan and being a professional skeptic slash journalist.
0: Well, look. This is an old expression, you know. There's no cheering in the in the you know, in the clubhouse or, or you know, in the in the uh, in the media room, as it were. Or, or uh, but, and, but 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 it, it sports is just one of those things. I mean, we all grew up as fans of, of of some team, and so you know, you check your allegiance at the door, you do your job, and you know, and then you go home and you watch the game. I mean, that's basically, or or in our case, you know, right now you stay home and watch the game. On, on the, as we close out, as we close out, you know, pandemic 2021. But uh, but yeah, you know, look, Rob Rob is a is a great guy. I mean, I've known him for years. Uh, is nothing other than a serious, solid journalist. And look, he's a fan of Milwaukee Bucks. You know, I've I've told people about how I'm a fan of, of you know LA Lakers and, I, and obviously I like the Babs. Uh, I like my Knicks. I love the Yankees, the Giants, Cowboys. You know, like all. But it's 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 what we do. I mean, you 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 like we 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 t- joke and kid with you about being a Boston fan, but you've also been a serious you know high level you know e- editor with ESPN a producer at ESPN, and, and now you're chief content officer. So you, we have to kind of walk, we all have to walk this line.
2: Yeah, and, you know, certainly anybody who reads The Athletic, and it is money well spent, I must say. It's, mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a great service. Anyone who reads the coverage knows that they are super 100% objective and solid, you know, dialed into everything, They just do an unbelievable job. And Rob, as one of the leaders of that crew, uh, is is one of the reasons for that. So anyway, Otto, let's let's get back on the court. You you mentioned the Celtics. Uh, They have hired a new coach. They're one of several teams that have done that. Ime Udoka, who did an apprenticeship under uh, Greg Popovich for a number of years, was on uh, Steve Nash's staff this past year in Brooklyn, uh, as a Celtics fan, I'm, I'm going to say I really like the hire. I, I was kind of hoping it would be Chauncey Billups for obvious reasons. Former Celtic, former colleague at ESPN, friend of both of us, I know. Uh, I would have liked to have seen him, but you know what? Ime Udoka sounds to me like exactly the kind of guy that will be able to communicate well with some of the young guys like Jalen and Jason uh, on on Boston's team. Do you have any any feelings about Udoka? Oh,
0: I'd look, I, I think it no, 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 I mean, I think they'll be great. I mean, they're, they're going to be a competitive team. They're going to come back. You guys are going to bounce back and be, you know, have a much better 2021-22 20, season. Um, uh, you know, so, so uh, we'll look forward to beating you early and often next season. But like uh, a rented mule. <laughs> <laughs> but exactly, exactly. But but I'll t- I'll tell you what I do have some opinions on is, Dallas um, Mavericks man, like so. I, I, I understand the kid hire, and I think the kid hire was was baked into the sauce once or baked into the cake i don 't know if you could bake sauce, but baked into the cake once um, Dirk became the special assistant and like it, it, you know, it just got, like you just kind of saw the way this was going now Carlisle stepping down was was, uh, was a bit of a surprise for for most folks, but kid coming in and uh, and, and with Nico Harrison as a, a former Nike executive as the GM. Um, so what, what, well, just, I'll just say it, Nico is, is very much, um, a Luca guy and vice versa. And so if, if, if that relationship does nothing else other than secure the talents of one Luka Doncic, then, 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 you know, then that's all that really has to happen. But I I do wonder, and I, I want to put this to you, do you think that a, a Jason Kidd, uh, coach team is, is is he the guy to bring not this crew because they need to make adjustments to this crew, but is he the guy to the floor, the floor man to bring this, this squad, you know, up in the West?
2: As one of the true icons of the franchise, right? I mean, he was part of the three J's back when he first came into the league, then he came back and won a championship there. And in, uh, in 2011, um, he's going to have the fan base on his side. And I think that, uh, Every new coach I think has some growing pains at the start of the year as the, as the roster sort of, you know, coalesces around the players who lead and the role players and all that. So I think with Jason uh, Kidd, Mark Cuban is sort of uh, probably understands it'll be a little bit rocky, but I think he has every confidence in Jason Kidd. I mean, look, their relationship has been one of success and whether there's issues concerning some of the, you know, uh, corporate culture that the Mavericks supposedly have dealt with, um, Look, I mean there's it, as an icon of the franchise, I think kid will probably get the benefit of the doubt
0: yeah no that, that's that's a fair statement and and uh, so so we're not dancing around it. I mean, just just to say it plainly, and it, this is something that was reported out. we're obviously not not uh, pulling stuff out of the air, but there were you know issues within um, uh, within the management team uh, with the Mavericks as it relates to how they dealt with 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 women and um, and so I know for a fact that there were some concerns uh, from some you know, female fans with respect to the kid hire. But like you say, you know, um, you know, he, he's gonna, he's he's coming in and he's gonna have his opportunity to to uh, do what he do what he can do in that role. And we should make it very very clear that the
2: allegations against Dallas had had nothing to do, as far as we know, with Jason Kidd when he exactly. was there. It involved exactly. other people, not Jason Kidd. Jason, yes, of yes. course, had his own issues away from Dallas. Yes. But yes. just so nobody misunderstands, none of that happened when Jason, concerned Jason when he was in Dallas. So
0: that mm-hmm. Precisely. Be- precisely. So no, one that, of his
2: contemporaries... Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, one no, of his no. contemporaries got a job or is about to get a job, Chauncey Billups, going up there to Portland. What do you think, Otto? Is this... Uh, is, is, do you believe dame lillard uh gave this his blessing
0: oh i mean d- does anything happen in portland with i mean i don't, I don't think a, i don't think a new street sign could go up in portland without dame <laughs> lillard's blessing these days but but uh, i mean am i am I wrong there like if, if well here's the thing if it didn't dot 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 you know how that you know how that sentence is going to end so exactly uh yeah so i i can't imagine that the um, th- 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 there was anything other than uh, the utmost, um, you know, green light, or whatever you want to call it. Um, uh, and, and then we have another move in, in uh, g- what's old is new again, Rick Carlisle going back to, uh, to Indiana.
2: They say you can't go home again, but I guess they're wrong about that. I'm not sure <laughs> what author had that famous quote. It was somebody that I should know, but I can't think of. I mean, Rick Carlisle did a great job in Dallas. His time ran its course. Yep. He's going back to the place he coached just before he took the Dallas job. Yep. Uh, 14 years ago was his last season, in Indiana. Rick's a great coach. I think they made an enormous mistake when they got rid of Nate McMillan last year. As you can see, Nate has done a tremendous job in Atlanta. And they brought in this Nate Bjorkman who maybe wasn't quite ready for primetime yet. Rick Carlisle's ready for primetime. And I think we all expect to see Indiana uh, moving North in the standings
0: next season. Uh, where are you on that one, Otto? Oh, I, th- I, th- I think Indiana's definitely going to make a step, uh, could, or would be would be primed to do so. But the, you know, the, the competition is just—it just feels like the competition is getting, getting more fierce. And and like we all know, somebody's going to finish first, somebody's going to finish last. Um, I know it sounds trite to say, but but you know, and, and teams always the move—the moves that are made at this time of year always look like they're going to—you know—oh, they're always going to turn out great. Yes, great and, move, great move. And, and, Hey, right. then they go two ten to start the season. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So I mean, we'll we'll see. You know, we'll we'll see what happens. What kind of what kind of uh, off season they have, and when the season starts, and if they're playing eighty two or seventy two or some other number. But uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I, there's there's no reason uh, if you're if you're a Pacers fan not to love what is what is going on there. Uh, and then and then same with Boston. Uh, you know, the same with Dallas, same Portland. You know, so it, it's exciting stuff. Well, I, I think we have one more little bit of business to handle
2: here, and it's not necessarily the most pleasant of topics, but uh, Hall of Famer and Chicago Bulls legend Scottie Pippen was on Dan Patrick's radio show on Monday, made some pretty tough allegations uh, against Phil Jackson, uh, charges of racism against Michael Jordan, charges of ultra controllingism if there's such a thing. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Personally, I watched that thing, and I was, I was cringing, because honestly... I think Scotty is Scotty lost an adult son not long ago. I'm going to say it was in the past month or two. And I would take some of what he said and I I would give Scotty a little bit of a break. I get, I just had this feel like, and I'm not a psychologist, there may be a little post-traumatic stress that's causing him to maybe express himself in ways that maybe aren't exactly right, but uh, it was very unfortunate to hear it. Um, But I, I felt kind of bad for Scotty because it just felt like he was just, it just
0: didn't seem like he was quite right. I uh, agree with you on the, on the not quite right part. I don't, I don't know what uh, necessarily precipitated, you know, th- those, you know, those statements. I mean, I, I know the the first part of the interview when he was asked about his, his comments uh, and res- with respect to, to Kevin Durant and, and uh, and then he kind of tried to not try to did, did, uh, tell Dan what the question was that he was responding to. And that was, you know, uh, you know, that that LeBron LeBron basically has gotten teams to the finals with less of a supporting cast than KD has. And that, that's really not in dispute. Um, I think I thought that from a basketball standpoint, I thought the most interesting part was when he was talking about, um, whether he could play in the current era or whether the guys from the current era would play in his era, uh, and it basically said, "Look, I, I, couldn't, I couldn't run. I couldn't run with these guys today, uh, just because it, like, you can't touch anybody." Uh, and it right. was just, a, you know, way more physical game, obviously, back in the '90s. And you know, you feel like we've, we've always talked about this, and lots of people talked about it. Like LeBron feels like could have played in, in any era. Um, whereas, and this is not a knock on anybody, but you, you, you do feel like I mean, there's, I mean, small guys have have, have obviously had success in, in the past. Um, Isaiah Thomas being one, you, you, but you do wonder how a Trey Young, how a, how a Steph Curry, even a Kevin Durant, how that game would have would have worked um, if you parked them in, in 1992. Uh, and, you know, with the same, you know, you couldn't have the same result. I'm curious to get your thought on that.
2: Well, you know, there, there's, you know, there's a huge difference in, in different eras, and it's the same in every sport. I mean, think about it. If Babe Ruth had had to play baseball against African American players, maybe he wouldn't have been as dominant as he was. So really, the, these arguments have gone on forever. They will go on forever. Uh, you, that's why you kind of have to judge, you know, each person within his own era. And I think Scotty was right about that. I mean, some of these guys, he would beat the living snot out of these guys, and they'd be calling for whistles on every play, and Scotty'd be laughing at him.
0: Yeah. True. True. Yeah, that's, that's a, a good debate for another time.
1: <laughs> all right, let's go. Time to stick the landing.
2: It is time to wrap things up for this week. So first of all, thank you again to NBA senior editor for The Athletic, Rob Peterson, friend of the show, for joining us to talk about the Eastern Conference Finals and all that's going on around the league, as well as the uh, Mecca floor that he longs for its return in Milwaukee. Thank you so much to our great producer, Daniel Kramer, and to our editor, Kristen Woolley. Uh, also, for the rest of the Peer Hoops Media shows coming this week, uh, I'd like you to listen to The Mike Wise Show, which has Mike Wise and his co host me, this week. Mike was scraping the bottom of the barrel, couldn't get anybody, so he had to suck. No, actually, we were chopping it up about some of the fun stuff that happened over the weekend. Uh, But Mike is always an entertaining listen. Uh, Full Court with Fisher and Kay has plenty of great college hoop talk. Monica McNutt and King McClure have buckets, boards, and blocks every Thursday. D.J. Armstrong and Eric Newman have the Pure Hoops podcast on Friday, and they might just talk about some of that Scottie Pippen interview. Who knows? And Aaron Berlin whom I'm subbing for, is back with Otto next Tuesday with Catch and Shoot
0: 2.0. And everybody, before we say our final goodbye, you know what time it is. We're getting close to our big hope for the year, and that is that every person on the planet gets the COVID vaccine so we can finally put this pandemic to an end. But we're not there yet, still. So protect yourself and others by wearing a mask, washing your hands, and maintaining social distance. And don't forget the medical professionals and the other frontline workers who are doing their part to keep us safe. So from my partner, Bruce Bernstein, I'm Otto Strong. See you next week. Captain Shoot's 2.0 is a presentation of Pure Hoops Media.